welcome to WrestleSplania, the show where wrestling enthusiast Kath Barbadoro introduces wrestling to me, Rachel Millman, a new fan. Hey, hey what's man. Up? I don't know. Uh, finally, not as sick approaching the juggernaut of the holidays with Good. the beginning of Thanksgiving. Nice. I'm glad. Yeah. And uh, it's, well, now you have to travel, so you'll probably get sick again. Yeah, I think I'm just going to maintain it. That's my plan. Just be low-level sick all winter. Like, having a, like, an annoying cough that others hate hearing. I've been having, like, a runny nose all week. Like, that's my extent of my illness right now. And uh, yesterday, I was lucky enough to record What a Time to Be Alive with Paul F. Tompkins, who is a goddamn delight. But halfway through the episode, he, like taps me on the hand and just does the like universal symbol for like there's some shit on your face (laughs) and I was mortified it was the worst thing that's ever happened to me hate and he's like the cleanest man he's like so fancy and it was just like hey you disgusting woman you have shit on your face (laughs) I hate when you have the snip the sniffles and you can't stop and like you know you're annoying everyone around you by being like all the time Mm -hmm. but I also I hate being around people when they're like that because you're just like go blow your fucking nose deal with it be an adult <laughs> anyway we also have a guest today we do and uh i'm so sorry that our guest had to listen to all of that <laughs> uh we have emily pratt on the show today emily! hello wrestlesplania listeners and kath and rachel hi um, how are you hi I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing all right. Um, sorry you had to listen to us talk about how sick we are while your whole state is on fire and everyone's dying. We apologize. <laughs> yeah, we should. Uh, that was that's a, an appropriate reality check. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was relatable. I'm like super at feel just conversational and at home now on the podcast. It's great. <laughs> now that you've listened to people complain, you're like, OK, yeah, yeah. yeah I get the show now. That's what it's about. Um, well, yeah, I'm super excited to have you on. Can you? Your, our listeners may know you from um, your writing at Uproxx, right? Yeah, I write for uh, With Spandex or Uproxx.com slash pro wrestling. Uh, best known, I think, for writing about uh, New Japan. I've done some like interviews and do a column called The Best and Worst of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on. Um, and I'm very interested in who you picked because we... Wanted to have you on, and we were excited, um, but we're not doing a New Japan wrestler today, uh, or at least someone not mostly known for work in New Japan. Who are we talking about today? We're talking about Eddie Guerrero. Uh, I'm super excited. Why did you pick Eddie Guerrero for us? Um, Eddie Guerrero, well, I'm a big fan of this show, and Thank you. was trying to, like, <laughs> I was like, hmm, what's, who is a wrestler I could wrestle-splain about? And I know you guys, I don't think I've done a lot of people from like this time period. So I thought, oh, I could definitely do Eddie Guerrero and probably nobody else. Maybe not as many other people are, are looking to talk about him on WrestleSplania. And he was like my favorite, probably my favorite wrestler of all time uh, from like childhood love, basically. Yeah. So you were watching him when you were a kid. You've been a wrestling fan pretty much your whole life. I definitely took a break for many years and like just got back into it uh, a couple of years ago. But um, yeah, when I, I watched as a, a kid, uh, the first time I saw wrestling, it was like at my friend's house after soccer practice and uh, watching uh, SmackDown. I was like, oh, who are like 
the main characters on this show because I didn't understand what I was watching. And she was like, oh, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. And that was not true because this was like 2002. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh, yeah, these are these are the main guys of wrestling. And they were my favorites uh, for years. Oh, I like that. But yeah. I also I mean, I just want to give credit to 2002 era Emily. I think it's OK to ask who were the main characters. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm really glad you wanted to, to do him because you're right. We don't do a ton of uh, people from this era. And uh, I love this stuff. I really, really liked it. I'd seen a little bit of it before. And I knew Eddie Guerrero was somebody who comes up a lot in people's sort of like top five, one of the greatest. Um, yeah. So I, I'm super pumped about it. Um, what did you, when you were a kid, was there anything besides just being told that he was a protagonist that made you like identify with him or like that made him your favorite ray he's like a superhero uh basically and eddie is like i really liked he seemed like more of a real guy mm-hmm. and the stuff like his his big storylines like i liked all the shenanigans and stuff that he would do i just thought that they were like entertaining and creative and i liked his wrestling matches but then when he started having more big storylines like those i was just i was very invested in those as a kid because i just really wanted him to succeed yeah i think that's really interesting that you contrasted ray and eddie like that because that like it's something that came up in my notes watching this stuff again and again was that eddie guerrero is such a human character and yeah Wrestling is so much about these sort of larger than life uh, archetypes and everything. And you have this guy who is in some ways kind of not that. And in some ways he, he transcends it. And when he transcends it, it's even more exciting because he is so human and so uh, relatable. And, and, you know, later we're going to talk about it with some of the stuff you had us watch, like so flawed um, when he can do all these sort of superhuman things, it makes it that much more exciting. He's definitely one of the wrestlers I think people connect with on a more personal level, or a lot of people do. And I think there, there's like other parts to that too. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's a part of it. Yeah. So um, the first thing that you had us watch, we're going to kind of go chronologically here. You sent us uh, a promo from, was this CMLL or? No, this is from AAA. Okay. So, yeah, it's him and Art Bar, they're Los Gringos Locos. <laughs> Which is yep. a really funny name. <laughs> like, immediately, like, oh, this is, the, they're going to be, like, goofier here. And then they have rubber chickens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the chickens are about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't really figure it out. I kept waiting for the chickens to tie in somehow. No, they just had to hold something, I think. Um, like, you know how, like, on a, when you go on a talk show and you have to hold a, like, coffee mug that's probably full of water or nothing? I think that's their coffee mug in a talk show. Just to, like, give their hands some business? Yes, exactly. (laughs) I thought this was interesting because, from my knowledge of Eddie Guerrero in, like, his later stuff in the U.S., he was often very, like, a very racialized character and, like, kind of portrayed not quite as a foreign heel, um, but definitely as, like, a like a latino heel latino like the way he- this country views latin americans yeah and at least especially the way they did at the time too and i just thought it was interesting because you have him being an outsider in a mexican promotion as like 
these crazy gringos, you know, and he's like speaking English and saying America forever and all this stuff. And then he goes and wrestles in America and kind of has a similar outsider vibe to his heel work there too. Yeah. And when he was, I didn't include any of his new Japan stuff, but in when he won like best of the super juniors uh, in new Japan, he was a black tiger uh, who is like the enemy of tiger mask, who is always played by a foreign wrestler. (laughs) Yeah, so fun yeah, he's fact. Always, he's foreign everywhere, basically. Yeah, <laughs> for I, his whole career. I read uh, his Wikipedia just because I wanted to have a lot more info for this because I knew of him as just this celebrated character. So I'm going to be like, I wanted to have more info and more context for what I was watching. Um, I'm kind of super interested to watch the uh, Black Tiger stuff after we record this just because, I don't know, everything about him I found to be just super dynamic for a lot of different reasons. Um, but because they they put such an emphasis on uh, the, especially in the earlier stuff of him being like a lucha guy, I want to see him actually hit that lucha stuff and like be a masked wrestler and everything. And I know he's wrestling lucha style, but I want to see that just like, just that different ele- element because every promotion brings something different. Um, fun fact, Black Tiger has been played by multiple foreign wrestlers, including uh, Rocky Romero was Black Tiger for a while. Oh, so, so they're like James Bond. Yeah, kind <laughs> yeah. of. Yeah. Rocky Rocky does the little uh the shimmy thing like sometimes too. Yeah, like he does. Eddie. Yeah. Yeah, did you notice that in these like Eddie does like the shimmy taunt? Yes, yes, it's really cute. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like there's a lot of things that we're going to talk about with him, but I mean, he's adorable, even with that terrible mullet. Yeah, I was struck oh, by yeah. this. Like, I was struck by this promo just because it's from like 1992, I believe. And he pretty much keeps that look like almost his entire career. Yeah. Like, he commits to that mullet. I kind of have to give him credit for sticking with that mullet because it's not a choice anybody should make. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when it's in a ponytail it almost looks like me at the gym if I were a turf with baby bangs but <laughs> he does kind of have turf bangs he kind of has turf bangs <laughs> they're longer in the Rey Mysterio match match yeah at least they're kind of they're like a combination of like turf bangs and like Takamichinoku bangs like they're like kind of sectioned and crispy but like short it's a it's a look. It's a strong look. But it is a choice. He's cute a, though. It is a series of choices that haircut. <laughs> so he him and uh, Art Bar, uh, Los Gringos Locos is a stable, and they are a tag team called um, La Pareja del Terror, uh, and like the pair of terror. And <laughs> I don't know like the full history of all big lucha accomplishments, but people say Eddie was the first luchador to voluntarily unmask. Um, because when he went uh, to AAA from CMLL, um, there's, there's always drama with, they can't use the same names of the characters. And so they had him, um, turn super heel by just being like, I don't give a crap about Lucha traditions. I'm just going to take my mask off and be like, I'm Eddie Guerrero. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then they became this tag team. Any, any, um, his dad, Gory was the the tag team partner of El Santo, like the biggest luchador of all time. And he was always kind of like sidekick to El Santo. So Eddie like takes off his mask and he's kind of like, 
yeah, fuck El Hijo del Santo. Like, I'm the Guerrero family number one, basically. And that's like, and then he's, oh, and he's like Mexican-American. So he's like, yeah, I'm me and all the Americans are going to attack Hijo del Santo. And that's kind of like that, that angle. That's, yeah, that's the take from Eddie in, in Mexico, I guess. So, yeah, they actually bring up that tidbit about um, the voluntary unmasking, which is really interesting. Like, it is so uh, against tradition of, as far as everything I know about Lucha Libre. Um, they bring that up in the commentary on the Halloween Havoc match that you had us watch. So can you give us a little bit of context about that match? It's Halloween Havoc 1997. Um, it's... Uh, title versus mask. Eddie is the cruiserweight champion. Rey Mysterio has uh, his treasured mask that he inherited from his uncle, Rey Mysterio Sr. And um, uh, it's this is a very highly regarded match uh, by a lot of people. Uh, it's I think it's the second match on the show. Uh, yeah, this is like one of my favorite matches For that I've like, ever seen. It's awesome. Um, I, I've i seen this before. I've watched this a couple times. What did you think of this, Rachel, since it's your first time seeing it? I Well, one, I need them to bring back extreme Halloween decorations all the time. Like, <laughs> I, I appreciate that we have a guy eating worms on the network now, but, like, set up a full goddamn graveyard. You guys have a billion dollars. Go to a Michael's. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think they should bring Halloween Havoc back as a pay-per-view. I think it would... It, oh, my God. It would It would slap wrestling lends itself so well to like dumb spooky stuff that it just makes perfect sense to me i mean on the kevin nash episode we love the wizard of oz thing so much (laughs) that it makes sense that we would enjoy this but immediately like i get what's like i really like this because i knew a little bit about ray mysterio i love seeing him on my tv still whenever I can like every time like that video of him from the Jericho cruise being like look how big my room is is like good for you Ray you're (laughs) you deserve it you should have that all the time yeah he was one of your favorites from the first stuff we ever watched because he came back in the Royal Rumble yeah and you were like who is this guy he's the best he's fucking rules (laughs) um I like the zoom in on the kids in the audience Mm -hmm. who are like so excited to see Ray when he first came out with the mask around his neck I almost was like is this like, is he doing a thing where he's like unmasked somebody else and these are like his scalps? Mm. <laughs> like, I honestly assume that was it, but then he gives it away to a child, which is like, is a great way to establish that you're a baby face if the audience doesn't already know. Yeah, totally. I love mean, terrible haircut Eddie. He's got, <laughs> actually, you know, he has, he has the Rachel. He kind of does have like the male mullet Rachel. He has the Rachel because the Rachel was a mullet. It was just well styled. <laughs> I always pop for Lucha stuff just in terms of like, I, I love cruiserweight. I love high flying stuff. I should really start watching 205 Live regularly because this <laughs> is, that's all stuff that's my jam. So uh, I really like this match. Obviously, as I said, I've seen it multiple times. Um, the thing I think is interesting when I'm talking about the fact that they're both Mexican-American. So you have Rey Mysterio, who grew up in San Diego. You have Eddie Guerrero, who grew up in El Paso. Um, both people who worked and trained in Mexican Lucha Libre promotions, right? So they're putting on a Lucha-style match, the way that they're bumping where they're doing the rolls instead of flat-back bumping. That's like a classic Lucha thing. There's a lot of, um, you know, these like Hurricane Ranas, these amazing high-flying moves that Rey Mysterio can do. Um, 
And they're doing it for an American audience and they're doing it in sort of this hybrid style because this is a WCW pay-per-view. This doesn't look like a match that would happen in CMLL in my sort of limited uh, understanding and the amount that I've watched of CMLL. Like this is definitely an American pay-per-view match. And so the fact that it's two Mexican-Americans doing this is super interesting to me because I feel like it's something that is so good because it's influenced by these two wrestling cultures, you know? Like, it is such a testament to the strength of hybridity in wrestling. And it's, I think, really innovative in a lot of ways. Like, I know WCW um, is known as being, like, pretty influential in terms of introducing Americans to this style of wrestling. So, um, obviously, like you said, this is a very highly regarded match by a lot of people. Why did you pick it? What do you like about it, Emily? It really shows you, for for both these guys, uh, kind of the best of, of like a typical Eddie Guerrero or typical Rey Mysterio match, especially at this time. Um, these, these, yeah, they're, they're not playing against type. This is like them doing some of the stuff that they are best at in their careers. Yeah, playing the hits. Um... So you said like they their careers have kind of been intertwined for like a lot of their professional lives, right? Yeah. Um, well, they worked a lot together. They had, this was not their only storyline together in WCW. They had like Ray was involved in the LWO thing uh, later that mm-hmm. we have stuff about uh, later. And then they had a few different they were tag team champions for a little while in WWE and had storylines together Um there too because they just they work really well together and they uh are friends in real life ray now has a tattoo that says eg somewhere on his torso i think um yeah despite you know how drawn i am to ray there really is an immediate it factor with eddie like one he's cute he's adorable two he I always enjoy heels and like what makes them heels and what makes like them against the audience that he like they're sort of like the brooding angry like no you can't take this from me angle is really fun but then the match just fucking rips yeah it's really good it's just good (laughs) wrestling all around I really like what a gremlin he is with Ray's mask yeah I love that that always gets me super amped when I'm watching uh, Lucha stuff is when they go and they start ripping the other guy's mask off. When they I rip the other so guy's good. mask off. And then on the commentary, they're like, it's so into his suit. So are they going to get him naked? Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was really just actually pretty good commentary. And then they go, oh, yeah, get that kisser right in there when they're like zooming it into him as he's ripped up the mask. That was <laughs> that's fun to me. And that's also that's to Kat's point that's a very Americanized way of like, oh, he's getting unmasked. Oh no, sort of thing. Um, and I did that just, that's just fun. The match is fucking great. Like if you were to say to me, like, this is a match I would show someone if I were to tell them you should get into wrestling at this point. Yeah, definitely. It's very, very action packed. I feel like it has a really classic dynamic with a, a very white meat baby face and uh, a very clear heel. Like the audience is chanting Eddie sucks at him. Yeah. Like, but and it's also for a first timers match. It is under twenty five minutes. Yeah, which is very important. <laughs> no offense to epics. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, let me just say that uh, if you haven't seen a lot of Rey Mysterio in WCW, he, his mask is not usually attached to his suit. So this is like 
this and and in in WCW kayfabe, it's acknowledged she's known Eddie for a long time. So it's like, oh, I gotta fight this guy. I am gonna <laughs> attach this to <laughs> my clothes because he is such an asshole, and he's gonna do whatever it takes <laughs> to rip this mask off. So I just think that's a fun element of the match too. Yeah, I really like that. Um, it's kind of interesting because I feel like a lot of the stuff that Eddie does, and we'll talk about this when we talk about, you know, the lie, cheat, steal Eddie. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff he does is like kind of associated with like a chicken shit heel, I feel like, like a coward guy. But he does it bravely. Yeah, well, he does it and it's just like, oh, no, that guy's smart. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's kind of like shades of what we like about uh, Zack Sabre Jr. now. Of like, if you're going to try to kick me in the head, I'm going to fucking duck. Sort of <laughs> similar heel things. But I also have to say, is Ray dressed up as the Phantom? Because it's Halloween? Oh, maybe. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure he's Billy Zane vehicle the Phantom. <laughs> like, which is great. And I love that because he always does. Because he did, um, he was Wolverine in his gear once and i honestly assume that he's been spider-man it would be weird if (laughs) ray mysterio had not dressed up as spider-man at this point but who knows um he always looks so fucking cool i think looks cool as hell his mask design is awesome like yeah he's 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 as cool as like a five six wrestler can look i feel like he's way cooler than like with a descriptor of five six five six wrestler i think (laughs) like gotta hand it to him also and every single thing where his like hand is covering his face clearly a babe yeah he's cute yeah he's adorable <laughs> um and maybe i shouldn't be calling a five foot six man adorable but i think his masculinity is strong enough to handle that <laughs> yeah, they eventually unmasked him without uh which he did not want to do in wcw and part part of it was like oh you're good looking you're more marketable with your real face because you're a cutie and then he was like <laughs> please no, I'll never be able to work in Mexico again. And they're like, just kidding. Like, we're the racist management of WCW and you have to. So he didn't have a mask for a couple of years, but he got it back because he never like agreed to a mask versus mask match. Mm. So like the Lucha Libre authorities were like, I guess you can put it back on a couple of years later. That's kind of interesting because I feel like that's almost the like reverse of Eddie Guerrero voluntarily unmasking. You know, like that they both have these like weird special case things. It's kind of it's from the same thing because Eddie is the ultimate disrespectful to everything except like his own agenda uh, heel. And then Ray is like a very. Yeah, Ray's like Lucha representative everywhere. And I mean, ready. Eddie is, too. But it's like it's more about just his family. Right. And then at least for the character. Yeah, it is interesting. It's. Uh, yeah, another another contrast of many contrasts between these guys. Speaking of, I always like um, when Eddie does the gory special, which he does in this match, which is like his dad's move, where it's basically like the, the I don't know what to call it, but it's like a submission move and he has him like stretched over his back. Yeah, you know? I really like that. Yeah, it's cool. It's like kind of a surfboard, but like on your back and not on the ground. I don't There's know. There's really good holds in this match. Like it really looks like Ray's arm is going to pop off. Yeah, I think that's like why I think it's so cool as like a representative of Lucha Libre because it isn't, I think a lot of people think Lucha Libre is just the flips and that is a lot of it, but there's also a lot of grappling and submission moves as well. So you get kind of both in this. Um, and yeah, I, I just like them as being like representatives of this culture in in America 
And uh, I think that brings us to our next thing we're going to talk about, which you sent us the promo where uh, Eddie starts the Latino world order in WCW. Yep. Yeah, because you guys are socialists. And <laughs> I thought, you guys are always talking about wrestlers form a union. I was like, well, I can't not include the LWO. <laughs> I just, I appreciate that because that's so what we are constantly begging them to do. And I really liked what Kath had to say about it when I brought it up to her before we started recording, which is like, car rental based politics yeah (laughs) i really like the idea of a wrestling faction formed around uh like not liking to carpool is funny to me (laughs) it works very well um i also think it is interesting that like they get booed out of the building while they're doing this which is kind of (laughs) which like i kind of get like knowing the context of this character but like yeah, I would have been like, yeah, the other guys do get fucking Learjets and we just have to fight the other Mexican guys and like they don't let us uh, actually do anything. Oh, I super, <laughs> super loved that. And I've like as a trend, I consistently notice and like learning about all of this of just kind of like the winks and nods of like, look how shitty they treat them. Yeah. But like that is actually an excellent like like true heels always have a great point that is an incredible point he's making of like and that's sort of again sort like how race relations have worked in america for a long time is like if you keep them fighting each other they'll never fight us Mm, yeah and like the unity thing is great and smart and i only hope that they actually did it and got themselves paid better (laughs) well i mean i don't know if it was based in reality considering it happened in the ring probably not (laughs) um but i appreciate your optimism i I know i can wrestle explain this you guys um it is based in reality hell yeah (laughs) hell yeah during the 90s and wcw there were a lot of management changes at this point eric bischoff is the top who he was also an on-screen character but he was for real like the top guy uh in the company management yeah. wise mm-hmm. and um well you guys just did the kevin nash episode <laughs> so uh you know kevin nash and uh and co had these really good contracts and got paid um a gazillion bucks and all these perks and the other people on the roster did not have that and also never got to main event. It was always like the NWO in the main event. So Eddie goes to Eric Bischoff and says, like, we wrestle way harder, like, every single week. And people really like us, so you should give us, like, the, the luchadors and also some other, like, cruiserweight wrestlers. Like, you should give us more opportunities. Um, and for many years, it was believed Eric Bischoff threw a cup of hot coffee at him. <gasps> but then Eddie was finally like, no, he just got so mad he knocked it off the desk and it <laughs> hit me and I like came out of the office with hot coffee all over me but it wasn't thrown at him and then they like sarcastically were like Eddie you want more bits well here's your bit it's this that you guys are like the Elda you guys are the like the the only Hispanic like mid-card spin-off of the NWO like are you happy now storyline ends when like the two factions of the NWO unite and like beat them up together <laughs> man <laughs> that's really interesting yeah because it is like here you can express your point but it's going to be as the bad guy and you're going to end up with your yeah. ass kicked i i think this is interesting too because like you referenced the kevin nash episode and i feel like this episode particularly this storyline and everything it's very much at cross purposes and at odds with the kevin nash episode because like a lot of people blame specifically kevin nash 
for why the cruiserweights were not more elevated despite having amazing matches. Like, it's his fault. So. <laughs> yeah, I think people even, people even talked about that uh, in our Discord in the Kevin Na- post-Kevin yeah, Nash yeah. episode uh, about how, like, here are the parts where he is not so great. <laughs> and I really yeah. appreciate having, I, like, I think this is, like, a good timing for it, that just to see the fallout the of other the actions it, yeah. and, you know, and how it affected people and how it affected talented workers. Yeah. Oh, I, I think Nash was the one who said, like, Rey Mysterio, you have to unmask also. And he oh, was really? like, I believe it was him, but possibly he was just somebody, like, one of the forces in that um but anyway like all a bunch of these luchadors and like chris chris jericho goes first and then like dean malenko eddie uh benoit they all just go to wwf because wwf is like hey we we actually will give you more opportunities and so they left like like eight of them or something left all at once because of like this type of stuff where they there was like a real ceiling and also just like the management of the company was falling apart at that point yeah that was a good time to leave wcw for sure yeah that's why it's good not to have a monopoly so people have options <laughs> right in their job oh what for, would that be like i i i wonder that as amazon moves to queens anyway <laughs> um i also really liked at the beginning of this when he comes up and is like no no no, i'm not pulling any shit just let me talk <laughs> like he, he he's so clearly a thorough heel that he's like no i'm not i swear i'm not pulling any shit <laughs> and he really doesn't pull any shit he does what he's supposed to do which is sell you a t-shirt yeah <laughs> by the way fun fact you know who was in uh latino world order is a uh, friend of the show la Parca. Back in the day. Hell yeah. Yeah, L.A. Park was in it. I, don't I know like if you that saw... he's a friend of the show now. Yeah, <laughs> I've decided. Yeah, no, we have a new friend of the show every week. <laughs> so, yeah, they all leave uh, WCW and they go to WWF. And that's the next stuff you had us watch was his stuff on SmackDown, right? Um, yeah, there's actually, there's kind of a period, the period where he becomes like the Latino Heat character. And uh, he has a romance storyline with China that's pretty great. Uh but also like kind of racist and like sexist at times and transphobic jokes at times, but it's, it's good for attitude era stuff. <laughs> um, but, and then he, um, he leaves the, he, he gets fired from WWF for a while because of uh, drug addiction or addiction to painkillers. Um, he has a DUI and he has to kind of like do the indies for a while. Then they rehire him. And then that's, that's uh, what the next clip that I, uh, sent you is from is from that period oh, okay i didn't realize that him tagging with chavo was after he had already been fired and come back so this is like the beginning of his comeback then yeah this is the beginning of his comeback yeah he was yeah all, i think almost always a singles wrestler like for the, the couple years before he got fired um this is also before we go on i need to say his theme kicks ass it's so good i love it um but I all like I like the introduction of the new theme and like this character like lie cheat seal it's it's awesome. Um, but I really liked his WCW theme too, which was just a sound alike of Lowrider, which was like really good. <laughs> just excellent themes all the way through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Lowrider would have made sense for this too because you sent us a segment uh, of him and Chava Guerrero uh, picking up some waspy dudes, ladies. In a in a lowrider, and it was awesome. So funny, so (laughs) immediately charming. Yeah, super charming. So like, just 
jo- just joyful, just like two guys having fun, and especially like knowing how not fun their lives can be in general. To like see them just like goofing around, having a good time, driving a nice car, <laughs> having an easy time scamming two dudes that deserve to be scammed. I love it. Yeah, I I found these really fun. I actually went and watched a couple more of them after because I just thought they were like they were so winning, like so charming and. I like that it's, like, it's these very stereotypical characters, right? And, like, something that could potentially be very insensitive and uh, very sort of unflattering as, like, a an ugly stereotype about Hispanic people or people of color in general, right? Like, the, they're criminals. Like, they're, yeah. like, there's a bunch of them where they, like, are, like, pickpocketing people and, like... <laughs> It's all this stuff, but it's, they're so charismatic, like, particularly Eddie is just, yeah, he's so fun to watch that you root for them and you like them. You know what that reminds me of? What? Have you ever seen that Vine where the, uh, the teacher is freaking out at the kids and yelling, like, shut up, over and over again, and the kid <laughs> is laughing so hard facing the camera away from her that he's silent and there's tears running down his face <laughs> it's a similar energy to that of just like let this little troublemaker be a troublemaker <laughs> especially in the context of again wwe and 1997 and where this country has been where this country kind of still is but is just, now again is we now were like again slightly better for a little while and now it's like way fucking worse i would say oh yeah uh, <laughs> um but even still, despite all of that context, in a vacuum, it's so joyful and yeah. it's so fun. And it's like these guys get to be heroes within this capsule. And thank God, because <laughs> they are good for them. Steal more fake people's wallets. <laughs> <laughs> so, Emily, I'm assuming this is probably around the time you started watching, right? When you were a kid? Yeah, it was Eddie and Chavo were a tag team and... <laughs> Very good wrestlers, but also uh, a lot of shenanigans, a lot of tricking people. And they were super fun, and they're super creative about it. Just made it fun to watch. Yeah, I, we talk a lot on the show about how fun it is to see people have fun, like, performing. And, and that joy is, like, very infectious. Um, you also sent us the clip of, uh, it was Guerrero versus uh, Mr. Kennedy, right? yeah. Yeah, that's actually that's his last match on SmackDown. So that's a couple years later, but this is like that's that's one of his best like tricks. Yeah, bad chair trick. I feel like yeah, even though they weren't like necessarily around the same time, like I feel like these are both very informative of the character in a fun way. And uh, yeah, so he does the he he throw the refs back his turn. He throws the chair like to Mr. Kennedy, who catches it confused, and then Eddie falls down. Like, oh no, he hit me! He hit me! <laughs> Uh, it's awesome. And we actually, cause we went to, um, Joey Janela's lost in New York yeah. where there was like this, they did this spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, they did, um, uh, MJF and Nate Webb did this spot. Yes. And it was great. It was super fun. And like, especially at that show, cause that show is like such a nostalgia party, like be seeing this and going like, Oh, now I get it. It's really cute. Yeah. It was cool. The next thing you sent us was a promo against Brock Lesnar. And I think this is kind of like a like a ultimate example of flirting with the kayfabe line, which is this promo 
against Brock that he has where Brock, he racistly hired a mariachi band and then calls him <laughs> an addict. And then he cut a promo that made like, I didn't, they, the tear didn't fall, but it formed in my eye. And I kind of <laughs> blinked it back where he cuts this very impassioned promo about I'm an addict. Guess what I'm addicted to? And he very, very passionately defends his love of the sport and his career and performing. And it's a beautiful, beautiful promo. Yeah, Emily, I want to know what, what you thought of this and, and why you put it on this list for us. Uh, yeah, so I included this and, and another promo because I think when people talk about what are the really good, like, current WWE-style promos, where they're just, like, they're so long. It's like, why would you have somebody just talk in front of a live audience for this long? But um, <laughs> Eddie is extremely charismatic and is really good at promos at this time in his career. Um, so he, uh, kills it. And this is one of the things about, um, Eddie that really stuck with me. Like I did not know when I first saw this, that the addiction thing was from his actual life. It was like, I was like a child. So it was like very heavy to me. Um, and, um, and just like looking back on it now, it's like, wow, this is, uh, just, it's it's a really great uh, like kind of accidental method acting performance because he's using like the real like struggle from his life to inform the promo and it makes it awesome and people really get behind it in the audience. Yeah, it's really a powerful, powerful performance. And uh, I, I think, again, like we were talking at the beginning about how even though he is unbelievably good in the ring he still is a human being and yeah, his humanity comes across so well in this. And I think, you know, it's a weird thing to compare because it's obviously the tone is so different from the Los Guerreros promos, but like with the Los Guerreros promos, you have uh, like a stereotype that is being brought into like three dimensions because this guy is, is such a capable, talented performer. And then this promo is sort of the same thing where it's like, this is someone who is really, really willing to be a real person in this fake world. It's like he wants to be a real person. He is like desperately like aching for it, I feel. Is he an incredible actor or is he just completely destroying the line? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's both. I mean, I don't know if he's I don't I wouldn't call it acting. I think it's a performance, but yeah. it's it's an ability to be like real. Yeah, you know, and uh, it made me fucking hyped about. I'm gonna go back and watch this match now. Yeah, I I know he wins, which also rules. Yeah, like, thank God someone <laughs> did. Uh, <laughs> but especially because we just watched Survivor Series last night, we watched them flirt with the line of like, "This is slightly uncomfortable," because it is a little. This promo is uncomfortable to watch, especially knowing what happens and right yeah so what rachel's referring to is the daniel bryan brock lesnar match at survivor series which like is built around the very real fear that daniel bryan will die in a wrestling ring and he's <laughs> going to <laughs> so yeah like it, this incorporation of actual um problems and strife and bad times that these people have been through into a performance is like a 
you know, a direct line to getting people like super invested. Oh yeah. And I will say this is that like, as you and I were both, cause we weren't in the same room watching the Brian, uh, Brock match, the Brian Lesnar match. You and I were both like, I don't like this. I'm not having it was uncomfortable, a good, yeah. good time, but that's what they wanted us to say. That's what they wanted us to do. Yeah. I think that like in a less capable performer's hands, it would seem like a cheap move to do. Oh, like, yeah. and that's why I'm, even though it is like very truthful, I'm commending in particular the performance because like sometimes when WWE tries to mine this real life stuff for storylines, it seems like exploitative. Yeah. And this didn't really come across that way to me just because of the power of his performance. I do think it is slightly exploitative. Yeah, absolutely. Well, more than slightly. And 100%. after his, after his death, they go on to do some like things that are in very questionable taste, I think. Oh, wrestling? Does that? <laughs> Baby Brock is weird to look at. I don't know how I feel about it, but I know the feeling is I don't like it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but baby, but it's also, Baby Brock is interesting because he's still trying. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to watch this actual match, too. Yeah. Maybe we'll do commentary on that. Yeah. Okay. I'd be down. It's the only reason I didn't include it is because, like, including the entrances and, like, the aftermath, because there's a very long, like, after Eddie wins, like, there's, like, the celebration is very emotional and, like, real, and it goes on for a long time. Like, it's all, it, all together, it's, like, 40 minutes. It's, like, an epic, so I did not include it, but I definitely <laughs> recommend to everyone. Yeah, Okay. We appreciate you taking our attention spans into consideration. Thank God, and God <laughs> may God keep you. <laughs> so the next thing that Emily had us watch was Eddie Guerrero versus Kurt Angle at WrestleMania, I don't know. 20. 20? Yeah. WrestleMania 20? Uh, and it's the longest match you had us watch, but it's a banger. Eventually, I will find something about Kurt Angle that makes me go, oh, Kurt Angle, and not just, that man looks like a ham. But... <laughs> This is the beginning of it for me. You mentioned questionable taste. It's an extremely questionable taste to have the angle of it be like, can an addict handle the responsibilities of this? (laughs) And it's grody, but it's wrestling, so I'm not shocked by it. Yeah, Emily, can you tell us a little bit about, like, the the background of this, like, was there a big feud leading up to it or was it just like Kurt Angle's going to challenge now that Eddie's the champ? Um, yeah, I just realized this is actually, this is, it's way less than six months. It's like pretty close to, to when he wins the title. Um, but he, him and Kurt Angle had been kind of like a unlikely allies for a little bit. And then Kurt turns on him because the deal with the, the Kurt Angle character, like before he became like now it's, you know, everybody loves Kurt now cause he's old and <laughs> nostalgia. But um, for a lot of, Kurt Angle's uh, time in wrestling, especially when he was younger, he was, um, they took, he was like too clean to be, like they refer to him as a machine in, on commentary during this match. And that's kind of the thing is that he's like an Olympic gold, he won an an Olympic gold medal with a broken freaking neck is how he put it. And he, (laughs) he, that did not make him like a nice guy. Like he's, He's like, I stand up for America in like this weird fascist way where you have to be perfect. <laughs> but he's also a hypocrite, but he's just like a militant <laughs> uh, about this. So it, it worked for his his character, like the most evil version of his character to be like, 
no, I cannot. I I represent America. I am a gold medalist. Eddie Guerrero cannot represent the WWE because he cheats and did drugs. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's really interesting. Again, like contrasting this uh, inhuman versus this very human guy. Like yeah. Kurt Angle as as a uh, wrestling machine, just like incredibly bland people yelling you suck during his uh his entrance <laughs> i do like that they've kept that even though people like him now i think that's fun oh, that they... everyone just still yells you suck during his entrance yeah now it's like <laughs> he's being greeted yeah um to have this big face off of like the pff, fucking america olympic guy versus the massively flawed man who is you know latin american i thought that was a cool dynamic and i was actually kind of impressed that they didn't lean on it as hard as i would expect them to I mean, I'm impressed if we're talking about it in those terms that they made the America guy the heel. Like yeah. the very obvious heel. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Yeah, I like I like this. I don't really like Kurt Angle as a wrestler. Like he doesn't really do it for me. Probably for all the reasons that people didn't like him at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Just cause it's like it's it's a little too like technical. Like I don't feel What's like the there's struggle. Yeah, I don't know. But uh but I the match is great and uh it ends with another like a classic fun Eddie Guerrero trick kind of thing. Cause uh, Kurt Angle keeps putting him in an ankle lock. That looks like a fucker. Yeah. I was going to say like credit to Kurt Angle, even though I say I don't like him that much. Like that ankle lock is sweet. Like it looks really gnarly. I don't want it to happen to me. <laughs> I still maintain that a Boston crab would be all right. Even some of the holds he does on Rey Mysterio pretty early on. Give it a whirl. Maybe let me out that ankle lock. Fuck that. Yeah. It looks really rough. And, uh, but Eddie, because he's smart, and you know, as Los Guerreros said, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Uh, Eddie loosens the laces on his shoe, so the end of the match is he Kurt Angle puts him in an ankle lock, and Eddie wiggles his foot out of the shoe and rolls him up one, two, three, and it's great. I also like that the commentary on it is working you into it of like, oh, he must have, he might be taking it off because he's in a lot of pain. Right. Oh, his ankle must be broken. That's why he's taking his shoe off. Which is the, I'm just going to say this, children, that is, if that happens, that is not what you should do (laughs) as a person who has had a severe ankle injury on the same ankle twice in one season in high school. Uh, we probably could have sued my high school track coach because well, the first time I sprained it, they took my shoe off. They had me take my shoe off. My ankle blew up disgustingly. And then they said, oh, you have to run a mile if this practice doesn't count. And we could have sued, but I was not a talent that was worth going to court over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, but it still is. It works as a thing because even though. I know, especially as a person who has had a severe ankle injury, uh, don't do that. I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess that's what he's going for. And then it works. It works beautifully because it pulled the wool over my eyes as an audience member. (laughs) Yeah, um, it was super fun. Uh, It's interesting to me, too. Like, this is not super related, but um, like it's WrestleMania and it's in Madison Square Garden, which is like an iconic wrestling venue for sure. But it's also where WWE just holds house shows now. Like it's the the like venues that they've played have gotten so much bigger. And it's so strange because like we think of interest in wrestling as waning, you know? Yeah. I just think it's interesting, like numbers wise. Yeah. That like Madison Square Garden, I think, holds like twenty thousand people, maybe. Like WWE this year was in the Superdome. That's like 
60,000 people. It's like three times as big. Yeah. I just think that's interesting. But I, I mean, also wrestling, I, I feel not just because it's a thing I'm interested in now. I genuinely like it's in a surge right now. Yeah, I think it's in a surge with like groups of people that it has not previously been in a surge with. But yeah. like ratings wise, it's not, you know, like. Huh. I, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about it really to comment. I just I just think it's interesting that they've been going to progressively larger and larger venues like since uh, this time. Uh, they don't they don't release like the ratings numbers for the network. So I guess it's possible that, that like the PPV shows are killing it nowadays. But also, uh, I have no idea. Yeah, it's a mystery. Who knows? But yeah. uh, I do know this match was cool, and Eddie wins it by being sneaky, and that's what I wanted to see. So yeah. I liked it. Yeah, lovely, wonderful. Um, the last clip you sent us was uh, a another really powerful promo uh, Eddie did after he turned on Rey Mysterio, who was his partner at the time. And that was also from SmackDown, right? Yeah. While they were tag team champions at WrestleMania 21, they had a match against each other. Um, oh, weird. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, but it's like, and afterwards they like shake hands. But then after that, like Chavo's involved with this, where it's it's kind of it's kind of the same dynamic as like that, um, where especially when like commentary is talking about like, or kind of the whole thing we've talked about their relationship is like the Eddie Eddie cannot beat Rey Mysterio. He didn't beat him at at WrestleMania, and even though they're a tag team and they're best friends, it's like, he can't, he can't deal with it. That the Rey Mysterio is like this perfect superhero and he like goes crazy and attacks him. Oh wow. Um, before oh, wow. the, I think the week before this promo, he actually gets, he does a, a quote unquote promo that suggests he brings Ray's mask to the ring and like looks at it and just, then just steps on it. And it's like a five minute clip and people Whoa. are just booing Whoa. constantly. And it's like, it's so good. Um, and and then the next week he cuts this, this promo on Ray. Yeah. It's really cool. I, I like the idea that he just brought the mask out and stepped on it. Like, I don't know. I love symbolism. We talk a lot on the show about like relics and wrestling and, yeah. and symbols. And like the mask is, is such a, such a symbol. Um, which like it's so cool this promo it reminds me of like Hamlet or something like with Yorick's skull like yeah. he's holding the he's holding the mask yelling at it like why would you make me do it ray and it's it's, and it's great. lit like a black box theater too <laughs> yeah. but i i have to i have to give him all the credit in the world is that he is super willing to silently bask in booze yeah absolutely not everyone can do that not <laughs> everyone can handle that i think like the only other person I've seen handle that and like be get something out of it is a comedy guy is Elias. Elias fucking loves to get booed, but like this is not an Elias situation at all. Of like, yeah, he, he's it's he's making his like this entire run. I feel is making your turn from being like a comedian to a dramatic guy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like this is this is his Oscar bait run. <laughs> like he's no longer in the rom coms. Yeah, but. It's I, in my mind, he gets the Oscar and then dies. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I just thought this was great. Like, uh, yeah. it, um, it was funny because I was watching this and like NXT Takeover, uh, War Games just happened and like anytime there's an NXT Takeover, uh, I get to read people like getting mad about how wrestling is too dramatic <laughs> on Twitter for like the next week, <laughs> and uh, that's always fun. But uh, 
I just was because so like I'm thinking about that in this promo in that context. I'm like, wait, I'm sorry, wrestling just got too dramatic. Like this right. is the most like h- dramatic, like high relief, like baroque performance like monologue like all caps like crazy he is uh, going like samuel l jackson yeah. ezekiel level yeah Nuts, but it works oh it kicks ass it's awesome Fucking like rules. it's everything i want out of a promo like this so yeah, yeah i was just like i'm wrestling has always been like this i'm not gonna listen to any revisionist history about it uh and uh yeah this ruled and then how soon before he passed away is this this is like six months before. Yeah, this is May 2005, and he dies in I think November 2005. God damn. Um, yeah, we just we just yeah. passed his um yeah the 13 year anniversary of of his death. Fuck. Which he was 38. He That's was only 38. So young. Yeah. Like we, I there was a lot of discussion of who was that bodybuilder who died recently. He was like Instagram. Rich Piana. Rich Piana. Rich Piana. He's younger than Rich Piana. Yeah. Like, it's crazy how young he is and, yeah. like, how much more of a career there could have and, frankly, should have been. Yeah, I mean, uh, from what I know, like, he wasn't – he was in a lot of pain, apparently, like, the last year of his life. He yeah. had a lot of injuries and stuff. But as far as, like, his, his cardio health and, like, his in-ring ability and everything, like, he didn't, from what I know, have any apparent health problems do you know anything about like the circumstances around his death emily around the time like the lwo storyline ended oh it ended because he was in a car crash and uh, had to be off tv and during that time uh was prescribed like by (laughs) i think by like the sketchy wcw medical people um pretty strong painkillers and he continued to use uh painkillers for i don't i don't know if it was like he just continuously used them for years or like eventually it got so bad that he he was like released to go to rehab and then fired because he got had a dui and um and he did recover and then i think he he was also i think using some kind of steroids when he came back to be a main eventer uh, in WWE. You can tell because his neck explodes in size, too. <laughs> yeah. just, that's, I'm not trying to be funny. It's just true. I just thought, like, my understanding was all of that was, like, before his comeback, and then he was pretty much clean, and then he died when he was clean. That's what I thought. Yeah, I think it might have been... Um, I think people say, like, the reason he was so young is because he just, like, damaged his body so much. Yeah, with all that uh, stuff. During, yeah, yeah, during that period, yeah. He had cardiovascular disease. Right, he died yeah. of a cardiac arrest, but, like... Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is it seemed very sudden, from yeah. my understanding of it. Yeah, it's it's like the... The diagnosis is like a legit like heart cardiovascular disease thing, but then also people say that like the history of of the drug addiction as well as probably steroid use, like yeah, like that probably did not help things for sure. For sure, yeah, that's but that's Vicky Guerrero is not gonna I don't think gonna come out and say oh well here's exactly why Eddie died like right. because yeah. I guess I was wondering more like you were watching at this time, right? Oh, yeah. He was supposed to be on uh, SmackDown 
one week. He was supposed to be in a WWE championship match. And then I think it was the next day uh, that it everybody found out that he had he had died. And it was really shocking. Then the the next week they did uh, like a I think they just called the episode like the Eddie Guerrero tribute show mm-hmm. where people did speeches and had I think it was like they didn't have to wrestle but like some people had Rey Mysterio did a thing I think it was on a house show like I I haven't actually seen this but I know he did something where after his match he like dedicated it to Eddie and then he took his mask off and then covered his face immediately because wow. it was like oh this is. This is really me. This is like a horrible thing that's happened and wow. is like crying a lot. Yeah. I can't it was imagine. crazy. Like if you watch that tribute show, like especially they kind of when they show clips of it, they cut out um, like that Chris Benoit is in like the front row because do you guys both know about Chris? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> we know oh, about yeah. Chris Benoit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Him and Eddie were, were really close friends. And you can see like Vince is in front of like the whole roster basically making this speech about eddie and you can see chris benoit who is always like the most hardcore guy just weeping like a little baby in the front Mm -hmm. oh it was so sad it was so sad it was really really heartbreaking yeah i mean it's just obviously it's awful when anybody dies suddenly at a young age but like i just feel like he was it makes sense that he's in everybody's sort of like list of like the top people ever. Cause like, I just can't think of anything he couldn't do. He was good at everything. Yeah. Like amazing, amazing promo, amazing in the ring by all accounts, like a, a very nice person. And also to have this story of him overcoming all of this stuff only to then succumb to complications from like all the stuff he put his body through over the years it's just heartbreaking. I just can't get over how young he was. Yeah. Like, Judy Garland is regarded as, like, like a super young death. Judy Garland was almost 20 years older than him. I, I have friends that are 38. Like, yeah. 38 is not old. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, like, the to end on a less bummer note, um, <laughs> the last thing you sent us was uh, Shaw Guerrero in Lucha Underground uh, doing a promo about, you know, like, the legacy of the Guerreros. And it's... Great. First of all, she starts it with an excuse me, which I appreciated. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just it it and she's listing all of the Guerreros, you know, like my grandfather Gory and uh, you know, my my cousin Chavo, like all this stuff. Yeah, Chavo my, Jr. My mother my mother Vicky, and then her last thing she says, my father Eddie. And, and the, she points upward too, which is really sweet. Yeah, and the crowd just goes fucking nuts and everybody yeah. starts chanting and yeah. it's a really beautiful moment. I'm really, really glad that you offered it to us. Yeah. Because I'm happy that I had this guide through. Yeah. Thank you so much, Emily. Uh, This has been super fun. Is there anything you want to plug or anywhere our users should find you? Your users, our listeners should find you. You, Yeah, you can uh, read my stuff on uprocks.com slash pro wrestling, mostly about uh, New Japan, which I got into because... I was obsessed with Eddie Guerrero and I looked up his stuff that I hadn't seen. And then I saw, uh, the, like old best of the super juniors. So, uh, that's why I knew enough about new Japan to get this job. So thanks <laughs> Eddie for my job and, uh, 
all of my life opportunities over the past year. That's Hell partly yeah. why I wanted to do him for this episode. Oh, that's um, awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I would, yeah. I wish that I, as I'm meeting like wrestling people now and media work, I wish I wish that I could meet Eddie and be like, "Thank you so much for opening my eyes to like the wide world of, of wrestling um, outside of WWE." Um, and anyway, uh, I'm on, I'm on Twitter at at Emily of Pratt. Then I do some side projects elsewhere that I promote there too. Cool. Awesome. Um, well, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Um, listeners, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleSplania. Uh, if you join that, we have bonus episodes, uh, commentary on matches. We also give you access to our Discord, which is a lovely community of like-minded people who like to chat about wrestling. Uh, so definitely check that out. We're WrestleSplania on Twitter, WrestleSplania at gmail.com. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And Emily, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Emily. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is like the Russell Crowe tweet that's like, send me your address and I will come to your house and explain my passions. Like, I feel like you guys just let me do that. So thank you for having me. Anytime. 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 Uh, Yeah. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.